I am a very thrifty person and I split a booth with one of my good friends who's a candle maker in California. So we met in Vegas and we basically split all the costs and um, I just made it, I scaled it way down for myself. Mm -hmm. But um, I remember the funniest part to me was I built my own display because most people are like, they've been doing trade shows, they like ship a crate to wherever they need to go uh, and then the crate goes to their booth and then they build up walls and like make an experience for you mm -hmm. and people like me don't do that like especially on my first one it's i, I needed to see mm -hmm. so i built my own display out of copper pipes and then used a guitar case this foam like a soft one on mm -hmm. my back and carried it through the airport and like a ship like I put it on everything went on the plane with me I didn't ship anything I don't mm -hmm. think except maybe some some cardboard and I just remember going through this the world's biggest hotel and they're all the casinos connecting holding this guitar bag full of metal dying under the weight copper is <laughs> <laughs> not light right? it was like, so much copper oh my goodness <laughs> Welcome back to Sustaining Craft. This is the podcast all about those making summer while their income from their art or craft. I'm Elizabeth Silverstein, your host, and I have with me today Stacy Bowers of Bang Up Betty. Hi, Stacy. Hi. <laughs> thanks for being here. Or actually, thanks for inviting me into your <laughs> home. <laughs> I always uh, I do an interview in another person's studio, and I'm like, thanks for coming back. And I'm like, why did I, why did I say that? But um, so if you are watching um, the YouTube, you'll see that we have... Um, Stacy's lovely setup here. You have a home office and a studio, mm -hmm. um, a home studio, and then a, another studio as well, right? You have two places that you work. Yeah, I'm divided between here and Station Gifts. Okay, perfect. And if you're just listening to the podcast, um, we have an adorable little desk that Stacy works on, and she has all of her tools. And I'll have some uh, photos and everything with the article too, so you can kind of take a look. But it's it's pretty neat. Well, thanks. Well, <laughs> what do you do, Stacy? What do I do? Uh, I'm a jewelry designer, um, mm -hmm. and I've gotten this, well, last year was my, uh, jumped into doing it full time, so it's coming up on a year anniversary of that being all that I do. Awesome. <laughs> so 2019 is when you were able to make the jump? Mm -hmm. Okay. And so you, you, the name, Bang Up Betty, it's, it's a cool little riff on a couple different things. How did you come up with the name? Uh, Betty was my beautiful, lovely cat, may he rest in peace, uh, and I used to, any little art thing I did, I would name after my cats, mm -hmm. and so I thought, bang up because it's the hammer, and Betty because of Betty, and it just kind of came together. Yeah, it's very it's very unique, it's one of the things I thought when I Thank first you. heard about what you did, It's it's uh, it, it captures your eye just the name alone, which yeah. is kind of fun. Cool. Sure. And where are you from? Did you grow up in Arkansas? Yeah, in North Little Rock, okay. I like grew up three blocks from here. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And so there was a couple of things that struck me about what you've built here. The first being that your background is very different. Like, did you did you grow up do, doing arts and crafts? Is that something that you were drawn to? I did. Um, all through high school I did art. Um, mm -hmm. I was art club president. Um, I went to school, to college, and dabbled in art and did more graphic design 
um, and majored in communications and then kind of fell out of art. And then this happened, um, I guess I started doing this about six, seven years ago. And uh, I, when I was 16, I started working at the bead shop, the Regina Bead Company. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of had a little bit of basic background on how to make jewelry. And then the stamping um, is self-taught. And it just, I just kept at it and kept growing it and changing it. And here we are. Yeah. <laughs> and from what I saw from kind of the other stories that you've done, you started just making gifts for friends. That was in 2013. It was just mm -hmm. you wanted to do. Because I first met you, um, we, we kind of, we've touched circles a little bit, but I interviewed you for an article in local magazine. Oh, yeah. And some of the things that came up there is that you want your gifts to be an experience for people. Yeah. Um, so it's at, is that how it started? You wanted to create something unique and have an experience just for your friends? I wanted to make people laugh. Okay. <laughs> and you do. What are some of the things that you do that do make people laugh? Um, can I cuss in this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now that YouTube makes you like say if it's safe for children, I'm like, nope. <laughs> um, people are really drawn to things that I do that are just uh, irreverent. Mm -hmm. um, like I was making this, the earrings that say stop talking and shut <laughs> up. Um, mm -hmm. I have some that say fuck off. Mm -hmm. I've got my little nope middle finger charm over here. This is what I've been doing since like the very beginning. Mm -hmm. um, I've got a knife necklace that says I'll cut you and then um, I stamp get shit done on things and mm -hmm. people love that. But that's just a little bit of it. Yeah. There is a couple of things that struck out to me that, about what you're doing is there's kind of the, the, the hard and the soft that's happening. So mm -hmm. you have the hard from the hammer and the metals, but then they're, they're delicate. Like these are tiny little delicate things that, you know, you had mentioned in one of your interviews that people get close and it says mm -hmm. something inappropriate. So then that's the hard coming back in, you know, with those words. Why do you play around with those two different kind of systems? I think um, a lot of it has to do with my own personal taste in jewelry. Um, I typically wear things that are small and discreet and I think a lot of other people appreciate that too and but my attitude is not small or discreet <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little combination of, of, of the inner and outer me <laughs> and when you went to college and you chose why did you choose communications and marketing because, quite frankly, an English degree was going to take too much work. Uh, and I have an English degree, and it does. I went the My non roommate thesis. was doing it. Okay. I did go the non-thesis route, but it still was. It was a lot of work, because that was my consideration, too. Like, communications, marketing, and then I went with English and kind of got a little bit of all, but it, it yeah. is. Yeah. It's like, you can still write if you do communications. Mm -hmm. You just basically don't have to go to school forever. My friend just... just got her PhD. So the friend that I went to, to uh -huh. was my roommate. What was that? Like, I think a year ago she got her PhD. Oh, so. wow. Is she going to teach? Yeah, she's okay. teaching. Cool. And so you got this communications degree and then did you, did you, were you able to get a job right away with it? What did you? Um, well, I, I graduated during the recession. Mm -hmm. um, 2008, 2009? Uh, when did I graduate? I graduated technically in the winter of 2009 uh -huh. yeah and um, so no I did uh, unpaid internships for a very long time and worked mm -hmm. in restaurants and had five little tiny jobs and yeah it, yeah. it was crazy yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I was uh, summer of 2009 is when I graduated, and uh-huh. it was very similar story. I ended up moving to Colorado in 2010, which is a little bit easier, believe it or not. But <laughs> yeah, it was a rough, rough, uh, rough time because they tell you get that degree, you yeah, get a job, and uh, we did not. It'll all work out. <laughs> yeah, it did not. Um, so before you started Bang Up Betty, is that when you were working for the Thea Foundation? How did you get into that? At that point I was working, I think I started when I was working at the newspaper, at the Democrat Gazette. Mm-hmm. I used to, um, I was an editorial assistant for Arkansas Life Magazine and Sing Magazine. And I think that's when I first started doing this. Okay. Yeah. So at that point I was, uh, publishing was my career because I worked in another magazine after that before I transitioned to communications and marketing in the nonprofit world. Okay. And so with how did Thea uh, Foundation come out? So do you mind explaining briefly what Thea is, how you found it, and what you were doing there? Sure. Um, I was uh, I started as the communications coordinator um, and became the marketing director. Um, and it is a nonprofit that um, uh, has a lot of programs that provide arts experiences, um, arts education for students who may need help accessing it um, uh, and they provide a lot of funding for art supplies for schools that are unfunded, uh, training for teachers to expand their craft, that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. I know for me the arts was so important to me as a child because it was really my escape in the way that I was able to just protect myself a little bit mm-hmm. in a you know, tumultuous childhood and the arts program is always the first thing to go in the school system yeah. and it's such a crucial part because something that really attracted me to your story, which is what I found too, as a dog trainer who uses my writing and communications with my marketing, is that the arts is always important. You know, it is, marketing is so important and it's mm-hmm. a creative field and that has its foundation in the arts. So it, it's awesome that Little Rock has something like that to yeah, kind of assist, because it's kind of, it's rare. <laughs> um, so you're working at the foundation, mm-hmm. you, you've become the director and you're doing this on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, you mentioned before we, we got on camera, basically, that you had no life, yeah, essentially. No. <laughs> <laughs> I worked at Thea um, 40 hours a week, and then and we would do, we had a lot of events and scholarships mm-hmm. and things I would do on the weekend, and then pretty much every waking hour that I wasn't there, I was here. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where it's like, am I going to do this forever? Like, I just love doing it. I can't stop doing it, mm-hmm. and I can't stop doing Like, what? I, there has to be a breaking point mm-hmm. at some point where I either keep doing this like I'm doing this, or I stop doing this, and I decided I couldn't stop doing this. Uh, <laughs> that's something, you know, that's where the passion comes in, mm-hmm. right? When you love something so much, not everybody can do that or is willing to make the choice mm-hmm. to do that, because it takes a lot out of you, right, to be working that much. Mm-hmm. It's a, it is a lot. Um, so you you started making the presents for your friends. It, they laughed. They had a good experience. People started asking you to make more. How did it go from here's something I made for you mm-hmm. to to the steps to kind of continuing to build it? Um, I feel like it was it was fairly organic. I started making stuff, gave it to them as Christmas gifts, posted them on Facebook like ah look at this dumb little thing I made, and people liked it. And I was like I'll just set up an Etsy page and. And people started buying it, and I was like, this is kind of fun. I'll just make some more stuff. Mm-hmm. And then eventually it was like, oh, okay, like I'm doing this now. I'm going to make a website. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm going to try to, I don't know, do it more and control it and, yeah, mm-hmm. have my own sort of image for it. Yeah. And having that creative background, I'm sure, really helped you define it as well and, mm-hmm. and the writing background, right? Because it's 
not everybody can tell their story in a way that connects with people, but you were able to do that essentially mm-hmm. because you've been able to be featured in quite a few things like BuzzFeed and um, campaigns have, you know, like uh, just social campaigns have asked you to create jewelry mm-hmm. for them. How did you start making those connections? How did you, how did you get your story out there? Um, a lot of them found me. And I think it just started with them looking at the jewelry and think having that same sort of, what does that say? Oh, that's <laughs> funny. Who makes that? Mm-hmm. What's the story behind that? And then they reach out to me and we'd start talking and it just kind of was organic. Okay, that's awesome. And being able to use that, because that's, that's a rare thing too, of being able to even be picked up and mm-hmm. be seen. It was always a surprise. And I mm-hmm. feel like every time, because <laughs> I, I got a few hits on BuzzFeed and things like that. And I was like, oh, maybe I should do like media packets and be official about this and send mm-hmm. out samples. And like every time I did that, nothing happened. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, never mind. I'll just wait for it to come to me. <laughs> oh, and that's so interesting too. Cause it, that doesn't work for everybody either. That no. organic growth. Yeah. But it's, it's kind of a, that's a little, that's a bit of magic basically. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And so the breaking point you talked about. So you're you're getting exposure. You're more and more people are finding out about you. You're you're doing more and more. What was that breaking point like for you? And how how did how were you able to see that you could do this full time? It was really emotional. I was kind of in turmoil because mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't want to quit my job. I loved my job, and I they were my second family. And it was it took months and months and months. I mean, honestly, a year or more of me thinking, do I really want to do this? Am I really going to do this? I'm going to set up all of my, hit all these goals and then see if I still feel the same way at the end of the year and just build a giant safety net in case I do this, I do quit my job and then it all tanks. And it's mm-hmm. just, it was really, really, there's a lot of anxiety involved. And mm-hmm. I'm, um, I guess what people would call a type A personality. Mm-hmm. So I did a lot of, of planning and thinking out all worst case scenarios and (laughs) (laughs) driving yourself crazy. (laughs) I hear (laughs) you. I've done a lot of the same. Um, So what was there like a specific moment? Because you gave yourself that year to be like, all right, can I do this? Mm -hmm. What does that look like? Was there a moment where you're like, okay, I'm going to take this leap. This is this is what is telling me I need to do this. Um, Well, I said I set a weird goal for myself where it was, I think by the fall or like late fall, early winter, I was like, you're going to do this, but you back out of everything you've, you ever sort of put your mind to, you back out, go in, back out, go in. And so I set a trap for myself and I signed up to do a, like a wholesale trade show in Las Vegas. And I was like, I sent out the paperwork and I'm like, no, that's it. Like that is happening in February of 2019 and Mm -hmm. you're either going to somehow do this and work full-time at the end use your vacation to do it or you're gonna get out and do this and that I just I don't I just I abused myself yeah (laughs) but that's also like that's basically a deadline right and that's what we need as you know as writers and people that have worked in publishing Mm -hmm. you need the deadline or it's never going to happen essentially um, so it was just like, okay, you're, it was a test, essentially. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. And then you're like, all right, I got to do it. Yeah. And walk me through that. So wholesale, explain what, what wholesale is for a second. Uh, wholesale is when you, retail is when you are going, if you go to a shop and buy something, you're buying mm-hmm. at retail. The people who own that shop have bought it wholesale from a vendor like me or manufacturer or an artist. 
and they buy it at a discount at a bulk rate so mm -hmm. that they can then turn around and sell it at the retail price at their shop. Okay. Yeah. So you're still making a profit and then they're making a profit right. off of what they purchased. So when you, your pieces are very unique and it does take time and it, and it's a lot of muscle going into it. How do you, how do you scale each unique piece? Uh, I have been doing this for so long that I've gotten fairly fast mm -hmm. <laughs> at what I do. Yeah. Um, and it's, it was just really a lot of, of trial and error. I feel like packaging was really painful trying to mm -hmm. figure out what packaging worked and I feel like I changed that four or five times and I'm sure I'll change it this year. <laughs> I want to go back to that Vegas, um, the the Vegas was a retail, it was wholesale, mm -hmm. that's what you did. Um, what was the response there when you made that plunge and you took your jewelry out there? It was really exciting. <laughs> mm -hmm. I am a very thrifty person and I split a booth with one of my good friends who's a candle maker in California. So we met in Vegas and we basically split all the costs and um, I just made it, I scaled it way down for myself. Mm -hmm. But um, I remember the funniest part to me was I built my own display because most people are like, they've been doing trade shows, they like ship a crate to wherever they need to go oh. and then the crate goes to their booth and then they build up walls and like make an experience for you mm -hmm. and people like me don't do that like especially on my first one it's, I, I needed to see mm -hmm. and so I built my own display out of copper pipes and then used a guitar case this foam like a soft one on mm -hmm. my back and carried it through the airport and like a ship like I put it on everything went on the plane with me I didn't ship anything I don't mm -hmm. think except maybe some some cardboard and I just remember going through this the world's biggest hotel and they're all the casinos connecting holding this guitar bag full of metal dying under the weight yeah, <laughs> copper is not light right? it was like, so much copper oh my goodness <laughs> Was it worth it? Was the pain worth it? Yeah, it okay. was really fun. And do you still do the wholesale shows? Have you gone to um, the I'm considering it. I'm just sort of, I'm playing the field right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> luxury to I need to luxury. I need to find a more uh, healthy and sustainable way than carrying a bunch of copper on my back and right. having to go see a chiropractor. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's true. And that was just a year ago yeah. right, that you did that? Yeah. Okay. Man. <laughs> Plus, a lot of the wholesale market has gone online anyway, so mm -hmm. I have online reps. So oh, and that yeah, that's and that makes it a lot easier. Yeah, it's easier on your back, <laughs> easier on your 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 pocketbook. Yeah. Um, well, I also wanted to to talk about. So a lot happened basically last year. You did your first wholesale mm -hmm. trade show in Vegas. Um, you quit your job and went to this full-time and then in September you started working at Stiff Station Gifts mm -hmm. so tell me a little bit how did that come about how did you get connected with that you know and, and that's your mm -hmm. uh, your other studio space essentially yeah okay. yeah I work out of there and um and work the shop two days a week um more when it's busy mm -hmm. but um that was one of the most wonderful things that's ever happened to me honestly um cindy booth owns stiff station gifts and she's a fellow jewelry designer and we'd kind of known each other in passing from doing craft shows and stuff around town and she reached out to me saying she wanted someone to help out and and just have some input in the shop and kind of bring some new energy and 
and it just she makes it such a beautiful experience she's so lovely and she's kind of she's become sort of a mentor to me too so it's just really nice to go there and have that sort of collaborative space and yeah do you get inspiration from the other artists that are there as well um I do um, I feel like everyone is so varied there. She mm -hmm. does a good job of, of not, there's several jewelry designers represented and none of our work looks the same. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, I think that was all the questions that I had. Was there anything else you'd like to add? Um, stay tuned to Stiff Station Gifts. We're always doing fun things and we do classes and we're just always keeping it fresh there and you can find all of my stuff at Stiff Station Gifts so awesome and do you teach jewelry making classes there I do I so I, I do a fun little um class there I call it bead and bitch and mm -hmm. it's more I've done some kid ones that are be, bead and banter <laughs> um <laughs> watch out for yeah but uh we it, we just hang out and and I'm doing one uh in a couple of weeks that's we're doing retro inspired charm bracelets so oh. it's more of a a relaxing fun craft mm -hmm. that's affordable rather than something that is gonna it's you're not gonna be stressed out mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it should it yeah it should when uh, going mm -hmm. to the class you should have a good time <laughs> <laughs> well um so people can find you at stiff station gifts mm -hmm. and then you have you're on pinterest instagram facebook yeah i'm okay. on everything my website's okay. bangupbetty.com okay and then people could just go on social media and bang up betty is, mm -hmm. is what you're under okay yeah Awesome. Well, I think that's it. This has been Sustaining Craft with Elizabeth Silverstein and my guest today, Stacey Bowers of Bang Up Betty. Find her on her website, social media, and music for the podcast is from Jim Chiago of Second Second Chance. You can find him on iTunes and Spotify or playing around Denver under Nomad Neighbors. And before we sign off completely, Stacey, do you have any advice for someone who is looking to perhaps turn their, their little side hustle into something bigger? Um, I always tell people to be true to yourself. Uh, speak, speak your personality. Don't speak anyone else's personality. Um, that's what people want to hear. They want to hear your story. And as long as you are true to yourself, then you'll love what you do.